The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City. Hi, good morning. My name is Hera, and I've been coming to Story City for about a year now. Yeah, and uh, you can usually find me serving on the awesome hospitality team. I have the honor of reading today's scripture. I'm going to be reading it first in English, then in Arabic. Um, So I invite you to stand with me for the reading of the word. I'm going to be reading Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. And now in Arabic. أما ولادة يسوع المسيح فكانت هكذا لما كانت مريم أمه مخطوبة ليوسف قبل أن يجتمعا وجدت حبلة من الروح القدس فيوسف رجلها كان بارا ولم يجأ أن يشهرها أراد تخليتها سرا ولكن فيما هو متفكر في هذه الأمور إذا ملاك الرب قد ظهر له في حلم قائلا يا يوسف ابن داود لا تخاف أن تأخذ مريم امرأتك لأن الذي حبل به فيها هو من الروح القدس فستلد ابنا وتدعو اسمه يسوع لأنه يخلص شعبه من خطاياهم وهكذا كله كان لكي يتم مقيل من الرب بالنبي القائل هو ذا العذراء تحبل وتلد ابنا ويدعون اسمه عمانيوال الذي تفسيره الله معنا فلما استيقظ يوسف من النوم فعل كما أمره ملاك الرب وأخذ امرأته ولم يعرفها حتى ولدت ابنها البكر ودعا اسمه يسوع. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning and welcome to the, uh, the Burbank location of the Story City Church. My name is Justin and I have the honor of serving as one of our directors. We exist as a church to glorify God by leading communities into healthy relationships with God and others. Each of us has a story that matters. As we build community, we not only learn how to appreciate other people's stories, we learn how to walk with each other as we discover how other people's stories and we learn how to walk inside of Jesus' story. These next few weeks, we get to talk about Christ's birth. 
we're calling this series The Presence. We get to look at the story of Jesus. And just as each one of us have one of our stories that is real, this is a real story about real people in a real time with a very real God. Before we go anywhere else this morning, I want you to know that if you could walk away with anything, I want you to walk away to know that God is with us. If you have your Bibles out as as the beautiful scripture that was being read, if you would take a look at verse 23 within that reading, I want you to underline God is with us. If we can walk away with anything, if, if you walk away and, and, and a lot of words were said this morning, I want you to walk away knowing that God is with us. As we celebrate this Christmas season and this holiday, as December 25th arrives, I want us to remember with every song and little hymn that is sung, when we see the lights out on people's homes and all the different decorations that are out, as we see the presents under the tree, as we look at our tree, I want us all to be reminded that God is with us. That Jesus coming, our God in the form of a baby, in this miracle story with Mary and Joseph, it comes to a climactic moment that God is with us. His name shall be Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God loves you. He sees you. And he loves what he sees. God is here. He is here. He is with us. And with him comes everything. Everything of who he is is present with you now. His peace, his love, his patience, his joy, his kindness. Everything of who God is, is with us. When we look at our past, when we look at our present circumstances and our future endeavors, there is hope because God is with us and Jesus is hope. Jesus is hope. Jesus is our hope. He is the hope of the world he is your hope. Hope in, in the Hebrew, it's a word kavah. It means to wait, to, to look, to look for, to expect, to wait eagerly. Hope in the Greek is this word elpidzo. means almost the same thing, to wait for salvation with joy, full of confidence. I love these descriptions of what it means, of what hope is. It's this, this longing and this eagerly awaiting. It's this joyful waiting that is full of confidence. Jesus is hope. It can be easy for us to skip over that Christmas story that we read uh, in these passages from Matthew uh, 12. It's easy, uh, it's easy for us to, to skip over these stories uh, of Jesus' birth. 
It's easy because we hear it every year. We hear this story unfold every year. And it's not that it's watered down, that we can easily skip over it. It's just that we hear it all the time. Now, maybe you're better than me, but when I hear, it's too easy for me sometimes when I hear the Christmas story beginning to be taught, especially in services. I'm like, okay, pastor, can we just, can we get to the lesson part? Because I know the story. Again, maybe you're better than I am, but it's easy to, to, to take that approach to the Christmas story. A couple weeks ago, uh, it was so much fun. My, my, my family and I, uh, my brother-in-law, my wife, and our little two-year-old, Nolan, we got to go to Disneyland. And it was so incredible. Was, you know, everything was decorated for Christmas. Christmas is my favorite season and holiday. Uh, Nolan's been watching the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Uh, he, for, he still doesn't understand the difference between Mickey, Mouse, Mickey and Hot Dog. Like, they're, they're one and the same. <laughs> um, if you know, you know. <laughs> Uh, but we got to take him. We got to take him to Disneyland. It was so cute. It was so amazing to watch like him experience Disneyland for the first time. Some moments where it's like he gets in front of Mickey Mouse and like he's having a hard time understanding like that's the guy from TV uh, and like but he's like here like it's ha- it's happening and he was unsure about the, getting a picture with him. But then as we're like leaving, he's like more more Mickey and like and like because he got comfortable. It was just hilarious to watch in the eyes of a child. And I heard about people talk about like experiencing life experiences are so much better when you get to watch them in your child's eyes. And it was, it was so cool. It was, it, it, but when, when later that night I went on to uh, rise of the resistance for the first time, I mean, I was awestruck. I was like, I, I became a child. I was all giddy. You know, you walk in a room, there's all these stormtroopers looking at you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I am feeling it. Like, I get giddy. And I'm like a, a child all over again. And, and, and I realized in that moment, whoever it was that said that life's better through the eyes of a child and being able to see it in your child, they're wrong, man. When you get to become a child again, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a bad dad. I, I but when you have that experience of being able to be a child again, it gets you excited. And then you're just like, okay, listen, Nolan, this is awesome. And, I, and, then, and then you want to see it in your kid's eyes. But it was, it was so cool to have that, this moment to be, be taken back into childhood in this, in this world of just being awestruck and, and giddy. And, and this, is, this is how I want us to approach the Christmas story. It's so easy for us to just skip past. We've heard it so many times, but I want to, to us to move forward with the honest, with the awesomeness of God's story and the incarnation, God becoming flesh in the form of a child through a virgin. So with that, I just, would you join me as I just pray for us to receive in awe God and his story? If you would do this by even taking a posture in prayer, uh, just with your palms up in front of you. Lord God, we are your children. God, I ask that you would give us your fullness. We recognize that you are here, that you are with us. We recognize that in you and in your presence is the fullness of creation. 
It is the fullness of everything that we are designed for. In this moment, in these, as we pray, as we open your word, God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us and leave us in awe of the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the miracle of, of, of you and your, your son coming in the form of man. May we be, would you fill us with that childlike awe? pray these things in your holy name. Amen. I'm going to read it, the scripture again, and let us approach in just the magnificence of who God is. The birth of Jesus, of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they had come together that, Je- that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what is spoken by the, by the Lord through the prophet. See, the Virgin Mary, the Virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the, Lord, as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Now, there's more to this Christmas story than what's just captured here in, this, in these passages, but in these verses, we, we, we hear it from other gospels. We get a bigger narrative and a bigger story of what unfolds. Mary didn't just wake up one day pregnant. Uh, and the angel Gabriel spoke to her and prophesied and told her that, that the Holy Spirit was, was going to uh, come upon her and that she was going to conceive the Messiah. And, and Mary had to go to her husband uh, or to her betrothed. Uh, they were engaged. Mary was about the age of about like 14 or 16 years old uh, when, uh, when, when, she, uh, when she was conceived with Jesus, and, uh, which was very normal. It was a very normal age uh, to, uh, to get married and everything, obviously, because she was betrothed already to Joseph. They entered into a year-long engagement process. I thought my eight months was long. I can't imagine imagine a year and uh but they have an it, it was tradition to have a year-long um engagement process that had a lot to, had a lot more um just uh, uh like different values and parties and a system that was set up to lead to a wedding day and they have a year-long engagement and uh, and Mary had to go to her husband Joseph and explain to him that that uh, what God had done and this is what's crazy. I mean, have you guys ever been to a, a, a space in your life? Now, it could be with an incredible movie or, or that you've watched or, or food that you've eaten where you've had to explain something that's incredible to somebody else and you just couldn't find the words. Or, or like, have you ever been in, in a situation where you're trying to give your testimony to somebody? You're trying to tell somebody something crazy that God did in your life? Or maybe you're trying to share your faith with somebody and you're, as you're speaking and as you're trying to explain it, you're realizing that your words are falling 
falling short of like the emotion that it's tied to in your heart. And you're just like, if I could just transplant what's in my heart into your heart and then you just get it, that would be awesome. I can't imagine what Mary is trying to find the words to express to Joseph what's going on. Like, no, I am so overjoyed. God has blessed us. He, I am conceiving. I have the, the, the Messiah in my womb. And I am, am going to give birth to, to the Lord who's going to save us. Now, Joseph, as, as, as any human would do, is wrestling, wrestling with this. He's a righteous man. He wants to make the right decision. And we see in these verses Joseph wrestling with this news and this information and, and the impact of what's about to happen. And, and literally, as he's trying to make these decisions, he's coming to a conclusion, look, I'll, I'll, I think I'm going to divorce Mary. We don't know the insight of to the, the, the state of mind of this, of this conclusion, but we know one that his character is that he's a righteous man, and we know that the conclusion is that he's going to leave her. That, so, that somewhere in there, he's still good, and yet he's going to leave her. He made the decision, and yet it's in the midst of this difficult decision. As we read, and it says that, uh, that as, he's, as he's contemplating this, God meets him. And that's when God tells him what's happening. God tells him the prophecy. God tells him what is taking place and who the son shall be. It's actually in it, to Joseph that he says his name will be Jesus. And in, in Joseph's obedience to what God had placed into their lives, Joseph adopts Jesus, takes him under his house name. We see Joseph name Jesus. His name will be Jesus. We see the obedience of what God, of what God did when he met this family. God enters into a mess of a family. He doesn't shy away from it. It doesn't necessarily make sense. Like, why didn't God come to somebody who is rich? Why, didn't, why wasn't he born into, into, uh, into a, a space of privilege? Why was he born to a family that was struggling, possibly in poverty, who couldn't even afford to give the best of the best offerings, but had to do with just getting by with what was mandatory in their offerings? Why did God, God did not shy away from the mess of this family. God enters into the mess of this family. Jesus entered a mess. Jesus is hope. We see that this hope transforms Joseph as he hears the word that God speaks about who is coming and who is there in their family within Mary. It transforms Joseph's mind and outlook to have hope and to, and to be obedient and commit his life to God. Jesus is hope that transforms. Jesus is hope in the fulfillment of past promises. Now we learned last week a lot of what those past promises were and are. Uh, Jesus is the hope and fulfillment of past promises. But I want to take it a little bit further. Jesus didn't just come to legally make it possible uh, for us to have relationship or be redeemed. 
A lot of focus in the holiday season is emphasized on the fact that Jesus came to take on our sins that we could be saved. That, we w- that he would live a perfect life and pay for our legal debt. That he would pay for our trespass. And while this is true because unto us a savior is born, that is only half of the coin. Jesus didn't put on flesh just, just to pay for our legal debt. He put on flesh to redeem the human nature. There is a, there, there, this is two sides of the same coin. There was a legal debt that had to be paid, and there was a nature that needed to be redeemed and transformed. To redeem in, in a, a nature and bring it back to its original design. He put on flesh to redeem a human nature. He had to come to redeem humanity. A nature change was needed. Humanity had to go from a corrupted nature to a godly nature. Romans 5, 18 through 19 tells us, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. It wasn't just that things could be made possible and that our debt could be paid. It's so that our nature could be redeemed and that we could take on Christ's nature. Athanasius of Alexandria in his book on the incarnation says it like this. Had it been a case of trespass only and not of subsequent corruption, repentance would have been well enough. If it was only that a debt needed to be paid, then just having any sacrifice and saying and repentance and turning away from that, it would have been sufficient. But it wasn't. There was a corruption that took place in the nature of man that from Adam on came with man. So in order to overcome that corruption and for redemption to come into the nature of man, God had to become human and redeem that nature. No matter your past, God chooses you. No matter your past, God chooses you. And when God chooses you, he comes to you. He doesn't beckon you to work your way to heaven. He comes from heaven to you and he makes a home with you. When we look at our past, we do so with hope. Because it is marked by the blood of Jesus. And it doesn't matter if this, if this past you're running from or hiding from or trying to escape is years old, weeks old, something you did before you came to church, maybe it was on your way to church or even during this service, Jesus is hope because he is with you. Jesus is hope in our, in our present circumstances. Not just in our past, but in our present. Jesus is hope in our present circumstances. What does it mean to have God who put on flesh? It means that since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted just as we are. Jesus is is our hope 
in our present circumstances, in our past nature, in our past sins, but also in our present, present, in our presence. He, as we read in Hebrews 4, 14 through 15, we have a great high priest who can sympathize with us because he put on flesh. This is why it can be said that neither, neither, death, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present or things to come, no powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Because we have a high priest who can sympathize with us, who bore flesh and was man. Because Jesus has been there and he chooses us. This love is not a long distance relationship. He chooses us. He loves you from right here. I know that there are things that have happened in your life that have made you feel distant from God. Things that from your own knowledge and experience, it was based just on our, on our soul experience and knowledge, would say there's no way God would choose this or God would choose that or God would accept this part of who I am. But he does want that. He does want you. He loves you and he wants all of you. God came to earth for you, for all of you. He knew what he was coming for. You don't surprise him. I know that in our human nature, as we strive to be better, I know that in our human nature, as we wrestle with the God nature, Lord, I just want more of you. I want less of myself. I know that in our nature, as we strive for him, there are times that we can even surprise ourselves. Why would I return to that? Why would I act out in this way? Why would I choose to use those words? I know there's times in our life that we can even surprise ourselves, but you do not surprise God. In the moments that we surprise ourselves, it's easy for us to reject that part of ourselves and to say, that's disgusting. That's, I got to get better. I have to get over that. God sees you. You don't surprise him and he wants all of you. It's not that he wants this portion. Okay, we'll cut off that. He wants all of you. He came for all of you. He is hope. And there is not a moment that God is not with you. There's not a moment that God is not with us. He is Emmanuel. Hope, the, that, that kavah, to wait and to look for and to, be, to expect eagerly. It's that elpidzo, to wait for salvation and joy with full of confidence. Remember when I was talking earlier about the returning to things as if it was for the first time? Remember, like, taking on that childhood awe? It's what I love so much about Christmas. I love the memories of Christmas. I love sitting in Christmas and giving an excuse every year to just put on that childhood awe. I, I, I love that to, to, to sit in the presence with Santa Claus. I love it. I love staying up late. I love the memories of staying up late to hear bells. 
writing the letters to Santa and with all the hope in the world and confidence that if I write this letter, Santa's going to read it. And Santa's going to send, uh, he's going he's gonna to come and there's going to be presents under the tree. I, I love those letters. I love waiting in expectation for Santa to arrive. I remember Christmas Eve, and I remember having that weird uh, like sense and of, of joy, but also anxiety on Christmas Eve. Like, should I go to bed or should I stay up? That, that weird sense of anxiety, because if I stay up, then that means I'm more like the adults, like I can hang out. If I stay up, then I can play the games. I might even be able to unwrap one gift if I can convince mom or dad. I might be able to, I, I, like that, I just want to stay up on Christmas Eve. But also with that knowledge that if I go to bed, Christmas is going to come sooner. If I go to bed, then I can wake up faster. I can get downstairs and see all of my expectation right there. It's taking on that childhood hope, that expecting and that wanting. It brings a hope that we have, not just from our past experiences, not just in our present circumstances, but a hope for our future. And if we can enter into that child sense, awe, we can enter into that expected waiting, into that eager awaiting of God with us. In all future things that we think that are coming as we, as we try and predict our own future and our own, our own pathways as we're working to certain successes in our life, in our career, in our homes, as we try and plan out our families, as we try and, and plan out what am I going to do for the next 20 years, what kind of retirement am I saving up for? If we can just let's sit back and just sit in, in the awe of a child waiting for the provision of a good father and allow him to take the future, knowing that any future is God with us. He is the hope for all things to come. Now, I don't want to rob Jared of his beautiful sermon that he's going to have next week. Uh, And so, y'all, be there, because it's going to be incredible. But let me give a little teaser. Let me impart you with with one of the greatest lessons I have ever learned about the future. Now, I need you to, 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 to bear with me and, like, and try and track with me. I'm not always the best communicator. I try real hard. I am that person that's just like, can I just like impart, just like, just take it, you know? But I'm gonna do my best here. So if you got, just track with me for a second here. It may take a lot to comprehend, but if we can, it's a game changer. All of our future events will be present circumstances. All of our future events will be present circumstances. If God has seen your past and came for you to make a home with you, he will neither leave you nor forsake you. He will be there in every future. And when that future inevitably comes, God is with you. There's something so powerful about God being with us in our past and in our present Because all of our future events will be present circumstances. And if God saw the past, if God saw the present, if he endured, if he chose to come and make a home, and he chose to remain, then any future is God with us. 
Your present relationship with Jesus matters because it will dictate how you see Jesus in future events that become present moments. Let me say that again. Your, your present relationship with Jesus matters because it will dictate how you see Jesus in future events that become present moments. See, I, I love my, my marriage with Kimberly. And I'm, I'm going to try real hard not to like brag on her because I did that last time. We heard it. We get it. Go back and watch it. I love my wife, right? So we're about to celebrate. We're about to celebrate six years here in a few weeks. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, Jared and Monique are, will be celebrating too. They've just, they've been around a little bit longer than us. Um, <laughs> but I, I love this marriage. I love that we're about to celebrate six years. From the very beginning, this woman has been my best friend. And, uh, and she's the one who I have deep conversations with. She's the one that I go to for prayer. She's the, she's the one that I want to celebrate my joys with. Um, and, uh, and when I feel beat up or when I feel hopeless, she's the one who I consistently go to to point me back to Jesus. In every moment of our marriage, she has been faithful to always remind me that she is not the solution, but Jesus is. So in every hard conversation that we've ever had, every philosophical conversation, joyful conversation, you name it, we always end up in prayer and in scripture. And and now why am I sharing this? Because all future events become present circumstances. And because our present circumstances do not change who God is. Our present circumstances do not change who God is. No future circumstance changes who God is. And when that future becomes present, it doesn't change who God is. Uh, And so I remember when I learned this truth in a very, very difficult way. I remember that when Kimberly and I were pregnant with our firstborn, Liam, we had some complications at 19 weeks. We went to the hospital and a storm hit us. We found ourselves in the bottom 1%. People talk that, that it's that 1% that people really only ever talk about in philosophy class. What would you do if? What would you do if? And all of a sudden, that if, that, that future that you could talk about in philosophy, the future that would never touch you or happen to you, that you would believe surely we can never find ourselves in. All of a sudden, we found ourselves in, in this 1%. Our world was spinning from the joy of having a healthy baby to will our baby even make it. In the unknown of the hospital room, while, we're run, while they're running every test and we're facing the, the frustrations of test after test with results we don't understand and we're trying to make sense of it only for them to run more tests that we don't understand and we can't make sense of. And all we're sitting in this hospital room and just asking after hours of tests and results and tests and results, can somebody please just tell us if we're going to have a baby? Is our baby going to be healthy? Then all of a sudden, they bring in this specialist. They tell us that this guy's a specialist and that we need to listen to him. All of a sudden, we're being told that the pregnancy is at such a high risk that we should consider termination or else something harmful could happen to Kimberly. And that her life could be in danger. All I remember was uh, telling the doctor, you need to get out. You need to leave. Uh, We can't have you here. And I remember turning to Kimberly and us just having this, this wash face of just like, what do we do? 
And we know what we're not doing, but what do we do? And entering into prayer and entering and, 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 and speaking scripture over one another. And then at 20 weeks while we're at home, Kimberly goes into labor. Even though we were just a few hours away from, the, from our last hospital visit, where they assured us that nothing was in immediate, uh, immediate to worry about, Kimmy goes into labor. And as we rush to the hospital, mid-labor, we're brought into a room and Kimberly delivers Liam. We knew that he didn't make it through the delivery. And in that room was a very odd sense of gloom and joy. I got to hold Liam in my arms. I got to spend time with him. I got to pray with him. We got to name him. We, got, we just got to spend time. And in the whirlwind of emotions, of unknown, the questions, God, why, would, why is this happening? God, what is your plan? Is there a future? What, is this, what does this even present circumstance mean for us? Uh, recounting all of these past promises and all of these things as we're sitting in there, we can't help but just to turn and just at a loss begin to pray, begin to just cling to any scripture that we, that we knew. Nothing, and I mean nothing, could have prepared us for what we went through that season except for the fact that God was with us. And despite our circumstances, we were there with, with a God who does not change. When Kimberly and I look back at that season and the hard conversations that we had in hospital rooms and in the, in the privacy of our bedroom, as we look back to those conversations, those prayers and that scripture, we realize that they were no different than any other conversation we had ever had or prayers that we had ever prayed or the scripture that we had ever read to one another. It was the same prayers. It was the same, God, are you in control God, why would you allow this to happen? God, can I trust you? God, what promises do you have for me? Those, then the truths that we came over, like the same truths when we, when we experienced me losing a job two weeks before Christmas and a week before our, our, our wedding, the same questions that we asked then were the same questions we were asking about our son Liam. The circumstances just changed, but God remained the same. And it was in a God that we could trust that he is with us. That we have a high priest who can sympathize and knows. A God who put on flesh and understands every pain, every tear, every worry, every struggle. That we have a God who is with us and is an advocate for us. There is hope in our future because God is with us. And our circumstances, past or present, do not change who God is. We have a God who is for us and with us. And because of this, we approach the throne of God with confidence. That, that scripture I read earlier, Hebrews 4, 14 through 15, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens to put on flesh, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. And it continues. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Our hope is the confidence in Jesus to approach the throne of God. Jesus saved you from your sins and is still saving you from your sins. God is with us. 
God chose you and continues to choose you. This Christmas, allow everything to draw you into his presence because God is with us. And in confidence, approach the throne of God. With confidence, bring your praises to the Lord. With confidence, bring your pain to the Lord. With confidence, bring your suffering to the Lord. With, with confidence, bring your sin to the Lord. In him, we have all things because in him is all that matters. In him, we bring all things because in him is all that matters. Jesus is hope. Hope in the fulfillment of the past promises, hope in our present circumstances, and hope for our future. God with us. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that you chose us, that you choose to be like us. God, I thank you that you would save us and you wouldn't leave us, but you would make a home with us. God, help us as we have been shaped by our past, as we wrestle with our present circumstances and sometimes are all too often consumed by worry for our future. God, help us like a child with no fear, but in simple awe and wonder, hope expectantly in your presence with you with us. May this season be marked by a joy of knowing that you are with us. At every moment, at every turn, that we could celebrate this season, your presence with us. We thank you, Jesus, in your name.